0: And we'll read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. For which cause we faint not, but though the outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We have a number of contrasts in these chapters, some of the uh, verses you heard, but in chapters 4 and 5, Uh, Some of you have not heard, but you will recognize nonetheless as you're uh, familiar with God's Word. But some of those contrasts include uh, the God of this world who blinds and Jesus Christ who shines. We see death. We see life. We see the crucifixion. We see the resurrection. We see at home in the body and absent from the Lord an earthen vessel a heavenly building outer decay inner renewal temporal versus eternal light affliction versus exceeding glory we have faith we have sight we have what is seen and what is unseen the last is what captures my attention at least we look not on the things which are seen but after the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal the things not seen are eternal there are limitations to what is seen and there's hope in what is unseen when we're talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ the evidence of Satan's activity is often more visible than the indicators of God's presence. We have no trouble seeing the symptoms of evil. It's more challenging to keep our eyes focused on the source of all good. We live in a so-called enlightened, woke, cancel culture, But that same culture needs to be awakened to the fact that we are engaged in a warfare that has existed since the beginning of time, and it is the battle of evil against good. When we step back and see any event, and all events in that framework, it reminds us to focus on the unseen, the source of all good, who is God. That's what Paul uh, was writing about. We, We want to stay focused. The solution to every problem of the human race is found at Calvary. Jesus Christ, who reconciles this flawed human family to himself, and makes us one in the family of God. That's the battle in which we are engaged. And that is the focus that is lost if we are not careful. There are limits, as I said, in trusting in what is seen. Because what is seen may be simply what appears uh, to exist. The captain of the Titanic learned that lesson when what was seen was the tip of an iceberg. Or what what is seen or what we think we see can, can be a mirage, an illusion. Consider in the days of Elisha when the three kings were threatened by the Moabites And as uh, those three kings combined forces to do battle against the the Moabites, they had no water. They were going to suffer defeat before they ever engaged in the battle. So they called the prophet of the Lord, Elisha. And Elisha said, Thus saith the Lord, Make this valley full of ditches. Ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water that ye may drink as well as your cattle. Well, they had no visual hope of this happening, but Elisha served the unseen God, and he told them to do it, and they did it. Furthermore, the prophet added that God would give the Moabites into their hands. So they did that, and it came to pass in the morning. Sure enough, the country was filled with water. And the Moabites, I'm paraphrasing here, rose up early in the morning, and the the sun shone upon the water. They concluded that that it was was blood. And furthermore, they concluded that uh, these kings somehow had been defeated, perhaps against one another. And so they said, let's go. Uh, what we see is clear evidence of what exists, but what they saw was not clear evidence of what existed. There was no blood, there was water, and there was sunshine, and there was the three, were the three armies waiting for the Moabites to uh, do battle. And before it was over, the Moabites were defeated indeed. But it's an example of what is apparent or what seems apparent rather what is seen is not what exists and it can lead to false uh, presumptions and horrible horrible decisions that's what we see in the Moabites but for the three kings including uh, Jehoshaphat and uh, Judah and Israel it's an example of the unseen hand of God at work uh, we we can extrapolate that and apply it to any a wicked event that takes place. Uh, the greater battle is the battle of evil against good. Evil will win, will not win. Good will win. Evil may do damage, but we must keep our focus on the God of heaven whom we serve. So when it comes uh, to serving God, we learn uh, to trust in what is not seen. And you heard read, we walk by faith and not by sight. If we walk by sight, we are shaken when what we see is threatening or what we thought was secure changes from favorable to unfavorable. Those types of things happen. It demands and reminds us to walk by faith, to look at the unseen source of good, rather than any visible uh, evidence of evil. Emotions, and even reason, often guide us. Human reason, human logic. We like logic, we like uh, reason. We have emotions, and uh, that's what makes us human. Human. We like some emotions better than others. We like to be happy rather than sad. But we must remember that those things are, uh, uh, are uh, influenced or exist as a result of what we see or what we think we see. They're not always dependable. We must look higher all the time. We must look to the unseen God and depend upon his hand uh, to guide us and uh, take us through whatever events or circumstances we find ourselves in. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas. Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they which have not seen and yet have believed. When there's no evidence uh, of the hand of God in a situation, we still believe. We still believe that somehow, some way, God is over all, and the outcome will be according to His holy will. That is satisfying. That gives us confidence. That uh, gives us hope, and that is what existed in the heart of of Paul. It gives us confidence in the origin of life, creation. We hear a lot about uh, science and data and have learned to be skeptical at times. We're thankful for mathematics and physics and the laws that God has put in place that man has come to understand to a degree. It has taken humans to outer space and returned them again most of the time, and any failure has been on the part of man and not on the part of God's law. But we, we read through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that, they, that the things which are seen were not made of the things which do appear. It's always humorous to me when there's been a slight, slight miscalculation as to the timing of the origin of the universe usually when that slight miscalculation is printed in science magazines and so on and then reported upon it amounts to billions of years worth of error what huh that's a slight miscalculation you know it takes a lot of imagination to believe what human beings in general have come up to uh, or have concluded as to the origins of life. It takes no imagination whatsoever, only faith to believe that in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. There's comfort in trusting in an unseen God. We do see evidence. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. So it's just not a leap in the dark. We've experienced God. We've experienced our Creator. He's changed our lives. We've seen Him answer prayer. We've seen times when uh, we don't know if He's answered our prayers or not. And at times, He answers prayers that we have prayed in a different way than we hoped He would. But it does not cause our faith to waver at all. Uh, we, We know Him. We value him. We've experienced him. That, that's what allowed Paul to thrive. Here he, he's writing some of these letters from prison. What good can come out of that? Well, a lot of good can come out of that. We have the word of God, uh, much of it penned by Paul the Apostle. Um, many of those words while he was in prison. in 1 Corinthians 4 uh, we we read what paul was up against we are troubled on every side yet not distressed remember he's looking at what is unseen rather than seen he did not ignore what was seen which is why he wrote these things we are perplexed but not in despair persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life, here we have those contrasts again, death, life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. So he was not distracted by adversity. His life was not um, diminished by the adversity he faced. It was enhanced. He later said, when I I found that when I am weak, then am I strong? Because he experienced the strength of the Lord during his weakness. We trust and have confidence in the ultimate outcome. Nobody said we would skate through life. I wasn't saved until age 21. But our children grew up knowing and did get saved young, but understanding that it it was not going to be a life of ease. Nobody promised that. It wasn't that way for Jesus. If we want the crown of glory, we must carry the cross. And a cross there shall be. It's an instrument of of death. But it yields life. Before the resurrection on Easter came the crucifixion. On Good Friday, so for this cause we faint not. In verse sixteen, we don't lose heart—not by any means. There's victory ahead, all along the way. There's no no victories without a few battles here and there. But our focus is, is on the unseen rather than, or I should say more than the uh, what is seen. So for this cause we, we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For this cause we faint not. For which cause? Well, it goes on, as well as having preceded these words, by the hope that he has in a, in a a good outcome, and you heard Brother Dave read in chapter five. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God, not a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's the outcome. Heaven. This corruption shall put on incorruption. This mortal immortality, death shall be swallowed up in victory. So compared to eternal glory, we are to view our current affliction as light. Wow, that's asking a lot because sometimes we have heavy hearts and wounded spirits. But we've not encountered what Paul encountered. We've not encountered what Jesus encountered, having carried the weight of the world, the sins of the world, to that cross. So by comparison, That eternal glory why it's very appealing and if it uh, causes us to endure some light affliction along the way well praise God the eternal glory is coming he speaks of the outward man temporal that which is seen it's uncertain and it's inferior we try to patch it up Maybe replace a knee or a hip along the way, but it's the same old you, and it's designed to deteriorate. But on the, in contrast to that, we have we have the inner man. He's eternal, and though unseen, he is superior and certain. But he needs renewed. We see these, uh, and perhaps some have these electric cars, and we see these chargers in different parking lots here and there. Usually there's a line of, of charging stations. And once in a while you even see a vehicle in one of them being charged. But like electric cars, our inner man needs to be recharged. Those electric cars, with some variations Uh, have some real limitations as to how far they can go on one charge. If there's a lot of driving, they certainly need to be charged uh, daily and uh, at times on a long trip, I suppose, multiple times. But when we are renewed, we need to be renewed daily. Oh, we could go A little longer perhaps, but why bother? You must be renewed day by day. Jesus prayed or taught us to pray, give us day by day our daily bread. So we we want to be recharged, renewed within. Uh, It won't change the outward condition much. It may enhance it a bit, but it will altogether uh, recharge or renew uh, the inward. Jesus was our example of that. Where did He go when life was hectic and when the things were chaotic? He retreated. He withdrew. He stepped aside and got alone with God. You know, it's all right to do that. In fact, I recommend it. We want to resort to God. We have heavenly treasure in an earthly vessel. The vessel deteriorates, the treasure endures. So we want to keep the treasure polished. He said also in the same fourth chapter, He which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. That's our hope. That is the unseen that we're talking about. We're not going to be overwhelmed by what is seen or what is all around us, not by any means. We're focused on the outcome, and the outcome is very good. May the Lord give us that determination and help us to stick with it and keep our focus.